Welcome to the first official episode, second chronological episode of the Sequelize This Podcast. Yeah. My name is Dan Sarnowski, once again joined via the magic of the internet by my co-host and good friend, Chris Brady. How are you doing, Chris? Uh, I'm doing. I'm here. You're here? I'm, uh, I'm here. Oh, I'm not there. I'm, yeah. I'm here. I'm in the corner in my apartment. And, Ooh, uh, yeah, big move. I'm lonely. And very sad. Well, you know what? You know what makes me feel less sad. What's that? Movies. Yeah, I, I really like watching movies. I like talking about movies. And in case you missed the first episode, we're going to be breaking down movie sequels on the show. Um, and and we kind of agreed that the the first one we wanted to tackle, like the the big one, we wanted to go for the real, the the white whale of movie sequels, and. Uh, the gusto. You got to go for the gusto. Got to go for the gusto, and, and we're going to be talking about The Godfather Part Two. Oh uh, yeah, dude. Classic. So you know, uh, we're we're going to you know prepare for this. We're going to watch this movie and then talk about it. So uh, so so Chris, how, how what did you think about the just kind of get into like the basics of it? What did you think about The Godfather Part Two? Um, I uh, actually didn't watch it. Um, uh, I found my 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 uh, my VHS copy. Um, but I remembered I don't have a VHS player. So, oh wow! Uh, so you didn't watch it? Uh, oh, I mean, I've I've watched it. It's just been you know like right. I know, years. but we we were gonna watch it again before we did this episode. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I didn't do that. Okay, well, I, I, I you could talk about it. Did you? I mean, like, I'll just you know I'll, what I remember. We can you know. Yeah, you know, uh, you th- I, I I gotta be honest with you. Uh, I was kind of really hoping that. You were you were gonna kind of carry this, so um, oh. I, I did. So I I did try to to watch it, um, as I talked okay. about last time. I don't actually own a copy of the movie, so I ordered it on Amazon, and then it came to my door. I opened my door, reached down to grab it. This like two year old kid from down the hall runs by, grabs it, and just like bolts off in the night, and I don't see it again. So oh great, yeah, I got to order another copy uh, of the movie, and I I. You know, didn't want to get it on digital because I wanted the special features. I wanted the director's commentary. I wanted to really get into the nitty gritty of it. Sure. And, uh, Just so Coppola drunk in his director's chair. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, I I also did not see The Godfather Part Two. Well, either. shit. Um. Well, what are we, what are we gonna do for the first episode? Yeah, then? It's, oh, man, really off to a great start here. Um. um uh... Well, you you know what I did see. What's that? So last the first episode, we talked a little bit about the Star Wars prequels and, and how we weren't really going to talk about those. But we talked a little bit about the sequel trilogy. Uh, yeah. That got me in the mood to, to re-watching uh, The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, actually just watched that, too. Oh, really? Okay. So uh, I, I guess, you know, we could next week we'll, we'll watch. We'll see The Godfather Part 2. Yeah. Know, okay. We'll, we'll yeah. Put yeah, that yeah, over we'll that right now. And yeah. uh, I, I guess we could talk about uh, the, the Force Awakens and, and the, the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Yeah, that's uh, that's fine with me. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah. so sorry to everyone who was expecting uh, and really hoping for us to, to to talk about the Godfather Part Two. We'll we'll definitely get to it next week. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. The, yeah. the order. I, I didn't go through Amazon this time. I wanted to make sure that, you know, not the same mistake wasn't going to happen again. Uh, but it's on its way. Um, so, well, we yeah, likewise, I, uh, I, I ordered a, a VHS player. So, we'll, okay, yeah, know. that's good. You really want to get the, the authentic uh, <laughs> experience when you're watching that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I guess uh, we could talk about uh, The Force Awakens. Um, sure. So just getting uh, a little bit of the, the history here uh, of this movie. Um, I, I think everybody knows Star Wars. You know, it's like one of the, the biggest movie franchises ever. Uh, we kind of discussed last last time how we're, we're big fans of the series. And uh, in, in uh, was it 20, I think it was 2015 um, or 20, actually, I probably should have looked this up before we did this, huh? Uh, when this actually happened. Uh, when Disney actually acquired the rights to uh, Star Wars, um, 2013-2014, somewhere in that ballpark. Let me let me just I'm going to the Google for the uh, for the official word on this, and it was 2012. Yeah, 2012, so they, they yeah. acquired Lucasfilm in 2012. Um, George Lucas kind of sat on the the series after making his prequel trilogy. Uh, wrapping that up in 2005 and then kind of said he's not going to make another movie uh, for Star Wars and just kind of let it be. But of course, you know, the Star Wars fans were clamoring for more. Um, And yeah, in 2012, uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm. uh, I think it was $3 billion. Yeah, Um, some some huge number, yeah. And immediately went into production on Star Wars Episode Seven. Right, yeah, yeah. They, they, 2015 is when that came out, right? Yeah, yeah, so they immediately got the, got the, the rubber on the road. They hired J.J. Abrams as a director and producer. Um, I think he, he also co-wrote this movie as well. Yes, he did, yeah. And uh, with Lawrence Kasdan, who uh, wrote uh, Empire Strikes Back Empire Strike, and right, yeah. uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, yes. So got that, that Star Wars pedigree on there with Lawrence Kasdan, uh, Kathleen Kennedy was taking over Lucasfilm. She had worked with George Lucas in the past. So, you know, J.J. Abrams, I think a lot of people liked his previous movies. I'm just going to say it uh, up front. I like J.J. Abrams. I, I've, I've liked I every, every, pretty much every movie he's he's done, I've I've seen. I, I liked it, you know. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, he's he's like uh, he's like a good Michael Bay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Replace explosions with lens flare, and you're kind of on the same track. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I was, I was actually, you know, when this, when this happened, and like the prospect of getting more Star Wars was on the horizon, I was really excited. Uh, sure. I think, I think uh, everybody, you know, I was, I was skeptical when I, when I heard about it because. You know, we talked a little in, in like, uh, episode zero or whatever we're going to yeah. call it. Uh, the, you know, y- you were a kid when the prequels came out and you're looking at it with those eyes. But when you're an adult and you go back through and watch them, it's like, oh, um, you know, so I, I, I was I was very skeptical when the sequels came out. But I, I have to admit that, like, th- that first trailer for The Force Awakens, um, yeah. they did a really good job of getting people excited for it. One yeah. of the, the best teaser trailers, I think, ever. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it'd be like a good thing to talk about, you know, if we, you know, after we watch the Godfather part two, we, we will probably get more into the other movies in this, this trilogy. Um, talking about like the yeah. way they, they kind of advertise these movies, I think it would be a really interesting discussion on their own. Cause I think that 
you know, one thing they really nailed with these movies was the building of the hype and just how oh, expertly sure. crafted that was. Um, yeah. just, just by like dropping little bits of information here and there. And so like you, you just like were like frothing at the mouth for it. And then like the movie was out and you're like, you were, you were all about it. So, um, give Disney credit for one thing. They, they know how to build a, a hype machine. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they they every I mean every year it, no matter what it is they're they're doing they always have something to get you like excited to go to the movies for. Um, and Star Wars is is like you would think that that would be easy, um, but I, I I think it's probably harder than than you know we're imagining it is. Well, yeah, because um, it's it, not it's, just you guys. You have so much. It, it's yeah. it's. I don't think it's hyperbole just to call it the the biggest movie franchise of all time. No, I don't either. It's not the no. doesn't have the most films in it. You know, it's not the longest running. But when a Star Wars movie comes out, it's an event. Like it yeah, is, it's, it's a such national a big deal. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's, least... I don't think I'm 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 stretching by saying it is the 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 biggest movie franchise ever. Sure. Um, and that's that's a lot to deal with. I mean, even even a company as as good with that stuff as Disney is, that's yeah. that's all. That's still a, a pretty hefty uh, task to take on. And I, I think you know, just based off of how they handled this this first this first go at it, I think they did a fantastic job. Yeah, um, I, I do too. Uh, I, I remember watching that trailer for the first time. Uh, we used to work together. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, and I remember they they played where we were at the. Uh, the trailer for that movie when you know when, when the teaser for the movie when it first came out and I remember there's that scene that it like the screen goes black and then there's that swell of the John Williams score and you see the Millennium Falcon kind of just burst up into the air and then dive back down and it's like you know if you're a big Star Wars nerd which I think a lot of people are not just us uh you know I I like I know I had like this big swelling in my chest of like oh, yeah. <laughs> It's just it feels oh you know what I mean you're you're it's right fun. back into it though yeah you you're you're in it you know like it just it just sucks you right in you know yeah. despite whatever you may think about you know the stuff that came before it it does really make you want to watch it so yeah it, it, it just again like expertly done and uh, you know talking about more about J J Abrams uh, so I I I have no affinity for Star Trek um, yeah I think that that's one of the things that you're probably more a fan of than I am. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And I'm not a huge Trekkie, but I, you know, I do, uh, I, I love at least the original movies. I like uh, a lot of the uh, Picard era stuff as well. Yeah. And, um, and so when, when JJ Abrams came out with that, his first Star Trek movie, yeah. um, I had no interest in seeing it just cause I, I was not a Star Trek person at all. Um, but I had enough people around me that were like, no, this is actually a really just good movie. I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll watch it. I think I watched it on on, on Blu-ray after it came out, um, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like I really yeah. like J.J. Abrams made me care about Star Trek. Like, yeah, no it's, Wrath of, it's, it's Wrath of Khan on steroids is basically what he what he did. Yeah, um, and and like I was like, okay, so if J.J. Abrams, who to his own admission uh, only made Star Trek because he never thought he could, would get a shot at a Star Wars movie. And yeah. he was also more of a Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. <laughs> uh, so if J.J. Abrams uh, could get me to care about Star Trek, um, sure. with him only caring a little bit about it, um, 
him being in control of a Star Wars movie, something that he was already passionate about. Um, I was excited to see that. I was like, okay, cool. We got, I think, the right person for the job on board. Um, so that had me really excited about it, of course. And again, we had already talked about the marketing and things like that. Um, and I, I think, you know, I don't know how, how exactly you feel about this movie after it's been out for a while. Um, I remember really liking it when it first came out. Um, yeah, I, I, I did too. I, I, and I still really like this movie a lot. Um, it's yeah. not without its flaws. I don't think there's any perfect movie out there, except except maybe no. The Godfather Part Two, which we'll, we will definitely talk oh, about dude. that. Absolute classic. Coppola's masterpiece. But I think that um, it's definitely a really good way to get this franchise going. However, uh, when I was rewatching, when I when I watched this uh, again uh, the other day, so I, I could just because I you know we, we talked about it before, I just wanted to watch it again, um, not knowing we're going to do it for this episode. Uh, but when I was watching it again, one one big thing kind of like one big realization was made that I hadn't really thought about before, and I I feel like the Force Awakens is more of a spinoff than a sequel. Yeah, uh, you uh, you brought that up before. Uh, you know, we we talked, I think, kind of off mic about this a little bit. And through my rewatch, I you know, I didn't know how to articulate it quite like that. But I, I think you're right. Um, no, I mean, I'll tell you, like, I like, I really liked this movie when it came out because all it had to do when it came out, I think, was be a serviceable film. It didn't need to be phenomenal. It didn't yeah. need to. You know, uh, it didn't need to like. Look, be our, this... our our bar was the prequels. Exceed the prequel low. quality. Very low like, expectations. It's, it's a it's a win already. So, um, right. so like a, a watching it with fresh eyes. You know, um, you know, I like it. I, I will tell you, I like it less uh, on the uh, subsequent watch throughs. Well, um, I think that the cracks you know start to show up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, especially now that we've seen the conclusion of the, yes. this, this trilogy, which um, we'll get to. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Eventually. I mean, we got to get through, you know, Godfather part two first for sure. Oh, for sure. For uh, sure. but well, whenever we can get to it, we'll definitely talk about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think that definitely kind of looms over this now that we've seen how this, this franchise concludes. And, and actually, you know, this was the first time I've seen, I watched the force awakens after seeing, Rise of Skywalker, um, yeah. and yeah, it definitely it definitely colored it a little bit. You know, I was sure. I, I don't think I expected it to to impact it as much, but you know, it definitely definitely colors it a little bit. Um, yeah, and, and like I I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a perfectly serviceable movie. Oh yeah, um, I, I would even go so far to say it's it's uh it, it's a good movie. I think it's decent. It it did what it, it did what it needed to do which was hook people right back in. Yeah. Uh, so on that level, I think it's a, it's a success. Does it, is it as good as, um, you know, uh, Empire Strikes Back? No, I don't no, think. No, there's, there's very <laughs> few movies that are as good as that movie. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's like, you know, I would consider Empire Strikes Back, you know, at least top 10 greatest movies of all time. I think it's just yeah. from a cultural standpoint and, uh, you know, like for, as an art form, I think it, it's it, you know that middle act is 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 going to go down on the uh, cinematic uh, Mount Rushmore. 
Um, but you know, that's if that's the bar that we're judging any of these other films. <laughs> right. Um, the only thing I think that would even come close to that would be a new hope. Um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, so you can't judge it by that bar, but judging this by the prequels bar, I, I think they did a good job. I, th- well, you know, and, I think and to that, to that point, I, you know, after seeing this and I, I think I still feel this way. I, I think I like this movie a little bit better than return of the Jedi. Uh, yeah. I, I think I would agree with that just um, as a, cause it, it's, it just flows a little <laughs> bit better just from a structure standpoint. Sure. Um, and there's some stuff here that I and we're going to get into it. There's some For stuff sure. here that I that I don't that I don't like, particularly once we start getting towards the end of the film. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I talked a little bit about it, you know, before I, I tried to break this our reviews or our anal, uh, analyzation down here uh, into three different segments. And that was uh, like fan service pieces, the, you know, things that are there. And I'm counting fan service as a good thing. Uh, there is a fine line between fan service and cash grabbing, but I, I sure. think you, I broke it down to between fan service, things that I like, things that make you go, oh, yay, ooh, that's so cool. Um, cash grab BS and uh, and then like genuine story advancement here. Um, so, and I, I mean, I might as well just tell you, I broke out here. From from a fan service aspect, I found I tried to stay with core things. I found nine things here that I thought were good, genuine fan service things okay. that you know. Yeah, hit me with them. Uh, so okay, uh, there's nine of them. I, uh, number one, I wrote here it feels very Star Warsy, and that's just a very very general, uh, like on a general sense. The oh general yeah, sense. I, I think I think one of the the, the core um, discussions about this movie after it came out. Was just how much it it was. It felt like Star Wars. Yeah, it, 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 like they went back to the thing. I will. The, the one thing that throws me off every time that I see this movie is uh, you're so used to hearing like the 20th Century Fox intro, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then swelling into that, you know, the John Williams score. They go together like pie and ice cream. Yeah. Uh, so it's really really weird to see the long a long time ago in a galaxy far far away without the you know the 20th century fox yeah i remember when i when i saw that in the theater that was like one of the things that definitely stuck out to me as well it's jarring especially since (laughs) i I don't know um if you did this but but before uh the force awakens came out uh my family and i we watched through uh the other the first six star wars movies together Mm -hmm. um and that that's a big part of it like at the beginning of everyone you get that that 20th century fox fanfare and then it goes right into the um the the theme for star wars and it's it's like you said it's just they just go together so well it's Um, like they're written for each other they just they they you know i don't know if it's just you know you you know you you identify it as because star wars is such a big piece of pop culture but yeah it just feels right not not to (laughs) distract from this too much but uh just as an anecdote when i was in high school marching band uh we we performed uh star music from star wars and what like before we we played the the 20th century fox fanfare before we played the star wars theme because we it, it was yeah it, it just it just was it was like the same piece of music basically but uh but yeah other than that like i i think that they really nailed the aesthetic i think that their focus on using traditional uh photography with with actual film um i think their focus on using um i'm blanking on the word here um practical effects 
Yes, uh, I uh, think that's I, actually one of the other things I, I have listed here. I just put feels Star Warsy from like a sense, like you know, yeah. this is what it feels like. I got no more specifics for the other things. Well, I think that list. all I think that all goes into it, though. You know, I yeah. think that oh, you know absolutely. one of the things that, especially when you when you when you watch the prequel movies, the thing that stands out is just like how it doesn't seem like they they fit with the rest of the franchise because it, it feels very alien. Yeah, yeah like it, it's not. Uh, it, it looks fake, you know what I mean? Oh, that, yeah, that's yeah, especially, like, like I, I think episode one, less so than the other two. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, when you're, like, when you're in episode three, and, like, it, you can tell that it's just two actors in front of, in front of a blue screen for, like, uh, 70% of the movie, it's 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 really tough to get over. And I think that, you know... Are, are alarmingly good at detecting fakeness, and I, I think... Uh... They really underestimated that when they when they cut those last two films, right? Uh, in particular, but again, that's one of the reasons why this this movie feels so like a part of that yeah. universe because it, it they did everything in a similar fashion to the way they did it in nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and they they kind of like they duplicated that vibe. I have I have uh, eight other things on the list here. I wrote. Um, you know, really cheeky humor, really cute kind of fun. Um, just just the the way the actors play off of each other. Yeah. Uh, and then the way that the script kind of, the, the little, like, comic asides that they put in the script. Um, George Lucas told J.J. Abrams reportedly when he handed the, the keys over to him, you know, hey, just remember, this is a movie for kids. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, and they kind of nailed that feeling from the... Uh, from the originals, they you know the the there's great chemistry I think between the three leads here, oh, definitely um, yeah, which uh, unfortunately kind of fades in you know the the movies that came after this one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely something to talk about <laughs> when we get to those. Um, but yeah, the, at least in this one, it feels like it, it's written. It's written like the originals. Um, I wrote here two genuine effects, not too much CGI bullshit, real practical stuff um cool creatures cool aliens uh i remember like my whole family the, the one thing that they always identify when they think of star wars is like the cantina scene from uh a new hope oh yeah it's like it's iconic uh, it's iconic right and they're like oh they, they they were like when i was a kid they're all talking about like oh like all the cool aliens and stuff which i guess would be what would you would think would be cool in 1977 yeah. i give a shit about Luke Skywalker. Right. I think when you're a kid and you watch those, you think Luke is cool. When you're an adult, you're like, oh, cool, look at all the effects and stuff. Um, so they nailed that with this movie, too. Lots of cool uh, aliens and creatures. I wrote real locations here. Um, uh, Millennium Falcon, still fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, th- lots of things that we're used to seeing, like the the gun targeting system on the Millennium Falcon, uh, the battle chest set in the Falcon. Uh, and then I wrote Han and Chewie, and then three PO and R two. Uh, those are my those are like my nine big. I, I tried to get just the large ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are my nine big uh, fan service pieces here, and I think those all kind of, you know, it, it gets to the point. I, I and I cut it off right here at three PO and R two because everything yeah. after that starts to get into okay. I get it territory. Well, you, like I would even argue that the way they use 3PO and R2 in this, this film kind of bleeds into that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's close. R- R2 it, is basically a cameo in this movie. Sure. Uh, sure. He doesn't do anything until the very end, um, which I'll just say it right now. 
for those who know me, R2-D2 is my favorite Star Wars character. Uh, so I was a little let down <laughs> when I yeah, saw this movie and like he's in it for just a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, but I understand he got to get the, the new kid on the block, BB-8, some some love. Sure. But, uh, now, see, I will tell you that is where my 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 second part of this list is, is cash grab bullshit. Mm-hmm. So I had nine fan service pieces. Uh, by the end of this, I had nine cash grab bullshit uh, pieces on my list. So we Ooh. came out with a neck and neck tie here. And I think that's As, that's pretty fair for this movie. I think. I yeah, I th- I thought so too. This is I didn't think it was going to be dead on the nose, but I figured it would be close. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, cash grab bullshit. I wrote. Uh, we have a cute droid that we're here to put on posters and uh, movie cups and popcorn containers. We got uh, you know BB-8, uh, and I like I like BB-8. I think that's cute and I think it's fun, but it's definitely got that like oh we got to have like a cute droid that we have to. Uh, yeah, I got I got to say uh, I was won over pretty quickly by BB-8. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I like him too. I don't want to. I want to make it sound like I don't like his character, but I'm just thinking from like a cash grab. Standpoint. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it's. I think that BB-8 did successfully what George Lucas wanted to do with Jar Jar in the prequels. Yes, because if you yeah, remember I, when like the prequels came out, like Jar Jar was all over the marketing. Oh uh, yeah, I remember. He was supposed to be like the thing that kids were gonna latch onto and love, and I think I think BB-8 did what Jar Jar couldn't. Yes. And, uh, He's a funnier character than we've ever had before. So, <laughs> Jar Jar is the key to all this. We He's can get him more. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know what we're referencing, you should either watch the uh, once again we're going to reference the the Red Letter Media uh, breakdown of the prequels, or that that's that's actually in the special features. If you have uh, yeah. any of the dozens of uh, home releases for uh, the Phantom Menace. Yep. Yeah, the the awkwardness in that room yeah. <laughs> while they're while they're while they're cutting that movie. Yeah, um, yeah. So I I, I have uh, under cash grab, you know, cute droid. Uh, I wrote for my second thing. Uh, it, it hits. This movie hits like point for point. All of the exact same story beats as Episode Four, which yeah. is it. You know, it's safe, right? But I I don't think that's I don't think that's doing anything other than like. Safety equals cash grabby because they know people are going to, you know, be okay with that. Yeah. And, um, and that was what probably the biggest criticism of this movie after it came out. I remember. Um, and I think I was on the side of, I think I, I coming at it from where, like where you're kind of approaching it. Yes. It's cash grab, but um, I kind of understood that they, they played it safe. They had to. Right. I, I know that. Yeah. yeah Cause it, if they it, came out like, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to it eventually, but if they if they did what uh, the Last Jedi did <laughs> in Episode oh, yeah. Seven, like it would have been hung, it would have yeah. been over. Like no one would have like it, Star Wars would have been dead right there. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Oh, I made a note here about uh, Captain Phasma. Uh, the so I'm gonna I'm gonna be controversial here, and I'm gonna say that uh, Captain Phasma is uh is a bullshit character <laughs> i don't think that's that controversial <laughs> um yeah so uh, i wrote here captain phasma like casting gwendolyn christie who i like i really like gwendolyn yeah. christie yeah big time. Uh, brienne of fucking tarth uh love gwendolyn, gwendolyn christie great actress uh really really good at what she does but i i feel like she was kind of stuck into this movie as an excuse to diversify the cast and i don't have a problem with diversifying the cast uh, the three uh, main 
characters of this film are, are all you know pretty diverse. Yeah, and that doesn't feel shoehorned in to me at all. Um, no, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like one of those neckbeards on the internet who's like, oh, the kid of women in my Star Wars. Well, to be uh, just to be clear, you do have a neckbeard, and you are I on do. the internet. <laughs> <laughs> But no, this this one like this just feels different. She's she's shoehorned into this movie uh, as an excuse, I think, to just diversify the cast. And uh, you know, I can prove it because her character does basically nothing. Yeah. Uh, through the entire thing, and we don't see Gwendolyn Christie without her helmet on. We don't, you know, know anything about her as a person other than she's a bad guy. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a real disservice to what that character could have been for sure. And I, I kind of have that in, um, in my notes that we can get to a little bit later as well, but yeah. yeah. Um, same thing with Snoke. I wrote, I wrote on here for cash grabby stuff. Uh, Snoke, Snoke is shoehorned in is as a commander bad guy. Cause we have to have, uh, <laughs> right. an, if we're going to tread this same ground, we got to have uh, an emperor bad guy in this. Um, and again, I get it. They're playing safe. Um, uh, and right for the longest time when I was recording these notes, I had more fan service stuff than I had cash grabby stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was right around the time 3PO and R2 showed up <laughs> um, that it started to tread back the other way. Yeah, but um, before you before you get on with that, I just want to make a, another uh, since we we're talking about Snoke real quick. Um, I think that the interesting thing about Snoke in this movie is that um, I don't think he would have been in this movie if they didn't already know there were going to be two movies after this. Does that, yeah. does that make sense to you? So think about uh, A New Hope, the, the the first Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they mentioned the Emperor, but you don't see him. Yes. And it's it's kind of this like looming threat that you you know like oh there's a there's like there's a bigger bad guy like you see Darth Vader you see what he does but. Um, there's this hint at like, he's not the head honcho. There's someone above him. Right. And I, I think they, they handled that really well. And I think, you know, part of it is because when George Lucas made star Wars, he had no idea there was going to be a follow up. He, he didn't think sure. the movie was gonna be successful at all. Um, and so when, you know, they, they made episode seven knowing there was going to be an episode eight and nine. Um, yeah and yeah right off the bat they knew they were going to make hundreds of millions and billions of dollars off of this thing so that i think that's why i mean i definitely agree with you that snoke falls in that cash grab territory because i don't think he's in this movie uh if there's not an i an already idea to, to follow it up with another one because yeah. um you like it's it's different now like you kind of have to show that um i think the response would be different in uh if those if the original movies came out now, I'm sure they like maybe people would be like, "Oh, who's this guy?" Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I guess we can kind of talk about that once we get to Rise of Skywalker because there's an element of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was actually one of the things I liked in Rise of Skywalker. That was an obvious, I think. Uh, and we'll like I said, we'll get we'll get there, but th- yeah. I think that was an obvious middle finger to Ryan Johnson, the, the little Snoke thing in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, and I, this goes along with hitting the same story beats as, as the original, but, you know, I think it's such a big standout that I had to notate it separately. Um, and I don't dislike Snoke. No, um, and, like, uh, I, 
I just, you know, I know why they put it in there, and yeah. it was because they it's safe and they know they'll make money off 100%. of it. 100%. Um, they also shoehorned a space bar into this, like a yeah. bar in space. You mentioned the cantina scene. earlier, and, and they, yeah. they knew that's one of those Star Wars things, so you got to have a cantina scene. Yeah, I, I wrote here, <laughs> it was complete with a space band. Uh, like yeah. an all one race space band. Not they weren't they weren't biffs in this, uh, but uh, yeah, they uh, full full space band playing jizz. Yeah, just uh, jizzing all over the place. Jizzing all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's a little too on the nose for me. I think. Yeah, uh, I wrote Super Death Star here as well. Oh uh, man, like, yeah. That when when you, you watch it the- again, that's one of those things that like. <laughs> I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it in the theater and, and like rolling my eyes even then. Yeah, um, yeah it was a little too gratuitous. And I then think. like even even more so now, knowing what happens in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's a little too on the nose. But again, they, they were playing it safe. Maybe a little I'd too say. safe at some points. Sure. But they were definitely playing it safe. And it, I, uh, I think um, one funny thing about that is that. I think they were kind of in on it when they were writing the script because uh, they they directly <laughs> make a note of be like oh it's a bigger Death Star <laughs> like they literally yeah, say right. that in the movie so yeah it's 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 definitely catch grabby it's definitely fan service and I think they are they I think they the writers also knew like maybe they were going a little bit too far with it so they called sure. it out on themselves doesn't excuse right. it. But at least they were aware of it. And I wrote here uh, for my seventh thing, I, I wrote, uh, quote, how do we blow it up? Um, <laughs> which they, they directly are like, OK, yeah, I know it's a big weapon. How do we blow it up? Yeah. You know what I mean? um, which, OK, so I'll say like um, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like okay. the original Guardians. They, ha- they have uh, the MacGuffin, the Power Stone, right? Yes. Or the, I don't know anything about Marvel movies. So when we, I'm sure we'll get to some of those at some point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that falls in, <laughs> in the same uh, discussion as like, there's too many of those, but like, sure. <laughs> I think it falls in the same discussion of like, why we're not going to talk about like the Harry Potter movies or the Lord of the right. Rings, because yeah, they just, they kind of expand on the same story. Um, I, I think there's not that there aren't ones that are worthy of discussion, but I think in general, we might just kind of touch on one or two of those. Uh, um, but like in the original Guardians of the Galaxy, right? They're they're uh, Thanos is it's about the Infinity Stone, right? It's the yeah. MacGuffin, yeah, right? The, that movie, and I think that movie does a really good job of of like their how do we blow it up thing. It you know I think uh, Dave Bautista's character basically says something like, "Okay, it doesn't matter what it is. Let's you know let's just go get it." You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so when they do it in Star Wars here, this that would work if they didn't have so much of this other like point for point, shot for shot, right? Uh, identical, you know, copy and paste version of A New Hope tacked on here. It's just like, you know, when Han's like, "How do we blow it up?" It's like, okay, like I already know where this is going, which brings me to my my next uh, big one here is uh, big space weapon go boom. Yeah, uh, man, this seems familiar. There's even like a shot of like X wings flying into a trench to go into this uh-huh. thing. Yep, it is, it's, it's literally a trench run. <laughs> it's fucking, it's, it's gratuitous. Yeah. It's like, and uh, I, I, I think it. I, I, I don't, I think it would have been maybe more welcome if this was only the second time they this happened in Star Wars. Right, but we got giant super weapon in Episode Six. Yep. Uh, we got a much smaller scale version of that in episode one. 
um, with the the Trade Federation uh, control ship. Yep. Um, now this is pod racing. Yeah. This, you know, this is pod racing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So like, if it wasn't if it wasn't the fourth time that we've seen something like this in Star Wars, I think it would have been a little more palatable. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was. And I, already, I would say, like, it, it's still a thrilling scene to watch. Like, I think sure. it's it's still well done. But, yeah, it's, like, it's a little too on the nose. Um, it's already less palatable, like, when when they did it in uh, Return of the Jedi. Right. Even that was less palatable. That It was like, oh, okay, it's just the Death Star again. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, they what that did so well was they were intersplicing that with the ground battle and the battle between yes. uh, Luke and Darth Vader and uh, Palpatine. Palpatine um, yeah. So it wasn't, the, the focus on it was not as close. And I think it also makes up for that because like the space battle in Return of the Jedi is really good. It's maybe the best space battle in, in all of Star Wars. It's um, really good. So like it, it kind of like makes up for that. But uh, with this, it, it's, it's, they don't there's not as much to like um break it up with so you're a little you're maybe a little your focus is maybe a little bit too close to how close it is to what they've done previously so yeah um the last thing i wrote here is big stupid cliffhanger um yeah they put the they like <laughs> they just they wanted to get luke in there at some point so you could go oh man right like he's right at the end so you have to you know wait for the the next part and it was just like i remember in the theater going really like i because i knew it was happening as soon as she's they're doing that long slow walk up of her walking down that that island in ireland um it's like fucking okay <laughs> you know like you yeah. know where it's going yeah um so uh, i guess for my list the, the next thing would be like what things i think are genuine like story continuations and I got to tell you, this is this is where this is interesting to me. I wrote nine nine pieces for fan service, things that I liked, and then nine pieces for like cash grab, cash grab bullshit. Mm -hmm. I think as far as genuine story continuation, I don't have anything written here. I don't think anything. One of the things I like to ask myself when I watch movies like this is, do, does this story need to be told? Yeah. And I think this story, the one that they chose to go with does not need to be told. I don't think this was a movie that I don't think this story needed to be expanded upon. So are, um, are you, I, are you saying this from a continuation from the prior star Wars movies or? From, yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where my, my idea of it being a spinoff kind of, kind of yes. came from. Um, uh, so you, you, you've articulated it better than that's, that's my thought, but I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't think of it. I think you're right. I think this ends up feeling like a spinoff or a soft reboot than it does an actual genuine sequel right. in a lot of parts. And I don't even think it qualifies as, as a soft reboot. No. So, so think, think about this. Who, who is the, who's the main character in star Wars one through six? Uh, ooh, good question. Um, I, mean, I I have an answer for this, but I'm curious to see what you think. In Star Wars one through six, yeah, through the through the before this movie, the established saga at that point one through six. Mm -hmm. I think there is one. There, I think there's one character you can point to as being the main character of those movies. Well, I, I would say Darth Vader. Yes, it is. It, these uh, these are Darth Vader movies. 
Yeah, um, for sure. I, I don't think they initially intended to be. I think the the, the New Hope was supposed to be a Luke uh, Luke movie, but I think by the time the prequels came out, they they kind of retconned it to be uh, a Darth Vader. A well, Darth Vader. It's movie. interesting that you say that though. But if you were if you think about it, the first main character you see at the beginning of a New Hope, it's is not Darth Luke, Vader. It's not Leia. It's not Han. It's Darth Vader. Yeah, he's the first character you see in that movie. Um, and I, I like as I was watching this this movie, I was like thinking about like, okay, okay, so like, I had this idea. It's like, okay, this is a spinoff, but like, is it is it really a spinoff? Like, and, and my my theory of Darth Vader being the main character, like, how much how much water does it actually hold? Like, is it something that was just manufactured because of the prequels? I'm like, no, actually, if you think about it, in, in A New Hope, the first character you see is Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and I think that. Empire Strikes Back is as much a Darth Vader story as any of the prequels. Now, I agree with that 100%. There, there's one of my favorite pieces of characterization in films is in uh, Empire, and it's that scene where one of his generals goes to see him and they're lowering the helmet. <laughs> um, and it, he's he's just barely obscured by the side of that, you know what I mean? Yeah. The way that that like, clamshell... Uh, pod casing closes down or opens up on him. You can barely see him, but you see that there's a, a human being under there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think that's such a great uh, piece of cinematic characterization where they didn't even tell you anything, but you learn everything you need to know right there just from that from that shot. Yeah, it does an amazing job humanizing this character, which yeah. you know beforehand we just we I don't think there's many people that thought about the the person in the suit. It was just like this this menacing like black figure. Um, yes. And then you take the helmet off and you're like, Oh man, there's a, there's a guy in there and he's, yeah. he's seen some, some shit. <laughs> like, yeah, right. um, and if you think about it, that's this way. Like, I think that that's really what sets this as a, as a spinoff more than anything is that the main character of the franchise is not in it. Um, yeah. Apart from one little scene where Kylo Ren is talking to the, the, the helmet. burn up helmet of, of Darth Vader. And, and can we fucking talk about? Can we get to that at some point? Oh yeah, for sure. Because I, I actually have a really that. interesting um, observation I made uh, about that scene and how it like fits in the movie a little bit later on. Um, okay. So, and and if, the other thing too is that in in this movie um, you don't see a a character that we're familiar with until the second act. Yeah, you're right. Um. And if you really the the first character that we see in this movie that is familiar to us, it's the Millennium Falcon. Yes, because <laughs> yeah. I think the Millennium Falcon is as much as a character as any of the other characters in, in this franchise. It's um, iconic. It, it, it's the, like in the realm of sci-fi, it's the most iconic sci-fi ship. Yeah, ever. it's it's like the I think it, the Millennium Falcon and the Star Starship Enterprise are like neck and neck. Sure. Um, right. Yeah, they're they're you know what I mean. They're they're like one and two. Yeah, which which if you're paying attention, they're both they're both disc shaped. So if you're yes. if you're an aspiring sci-fi creator and you want to make an iconic ship, you make make it a disc. Go, go with the circle. Go with the circle. Um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, and, and like even even main characters in the original saga are are treated as more of like plot devices than they are actual characters in The Force Awakens. Uh, you mentioned MacGuffins earlier. Luke Skywalker in this film is a MacGuffin. Absolutely. He is, Absolutely. He has one small cameo at the, at the end of the film, doesn't say anything. And he is, he's kind of the thing that everyone's chasing and, and looking for. He, he's not a character in this movie. He's a MacGuffin. 
And, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people are upset about the way they handled Luke's character in uh, the, the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. But everyone was cool with him just being, like, a plot device in this movie. I don't know. Right. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of weird to me. Like, watching it again. Um, but it, yeah, and, he, he is uh, definitely a MacGuffin here. And uh, even, actually, like, that... Han Solo and Chewbacca. Like, they're yeah. they're almost... They're, they're sidekicks to the story. Um, yes. Which, you know, you could argue that, yeah, these, these actors are, are much older now and they can't really, you could argue that they would not be able to carry the film on their own anymore. Um, and you definitely want to put the emphasis on this new cast. But at the same time, I, I think that lends more credence to the, the idea of, of this not being maybe a main part of this story. Um, yeah despite Disney's efforts on selling this as the, the final few chapters in the Skywalker saga. Um, The only link to the Skywalkers from the main cast is Kylo Ren. And it's kind of a shaky link. (laughs) Okay. So that's the thing. I, 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 like I said, I tried to break this into three sections between cash grab fan service and like genuine story continuation. If they wanted to do a genuine story continuation, I think they could have focused it on on Luke rebuilding the Jedi. Um, that would have been a genuine story continuation. And you can keep Kylo Ren and you can keep the new cast members in there, but there's different ways to introduce them, I think, around that. And then you still, you know, if you're continuing the Skywalker saga, uh, as they're calling it, um, you know, you gotta fucking, you know, you gotta fucking put Luke in there, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I think if you have Kylo Ren uh, betray Luke Skywalker as he's trying to rebuild the Jedi, and then you have this big, you know what I mean? You build. The, I, I think you could build the sequel trilogy around that, and I think you'd end up with a little bit more interesting story. And then you can keep Snoke in there, and it wouldn't feel like bullshit. He would, you know what I mean? He would be like trying to rebuild the Empire, um, you know, and he could have uh, Kylo be his uh, his. You know, Darth Vader, his Darth Maul, his, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> God, what's his name? Fucking Dooku. Uh, Dooku, Count Dooku. Count Dooku. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was, if you wanted to make this story like a, this is genuinely continuing that saga, that's what you would do. Yeah. But they don't do that. And I think that's why you're right. I think it ends up just being a spinoff. Well, and even even more so, and I, I, going back into it's like thinking about okay, so like why why make this a spinoff instead of a direct continuation? Yeah, and I think it goes back to the fan service part of it. Sure. Um, by, I, I think one of the things that Ryan Johnson, I think, did really well, and I, of course we'll talk about this eventually when we talk about the Last Jedi, but you know when you when you use these these established characters. Um, in a new way, it's it's you're gonna get backlash no matter yeah, no matter absolutely. who it is. Because if you think about it, like they basically reset Han Solo and Leia back to where they were in A New Hope. Han they Solo did. Han Solo went back to being a smuggler. Leia went back to being the resistance leader, and you could they I think they did a pretty good job of um, explaining that in the story as to why they did that. I agree. They both were dealing with the grief of essentially losing their son in different ways. Um, 
and I think I it agree, makes sense. I agree, but I don't like it. Yeah, because <laughs> you know it's. I, mean? I think there's obviously a lot of people like asking the questions. Like, I want to get to this later when we talk about like what questions does this movie answer, if any. Um, mm. And you know, I think a lot of people wanted to know, like, you know, what were these characters up to in the 30 years after Return of the Jedi? And you know, rewatching it, it was it was kind of unsatisfying to see that. Yeah. Han Solo is just a smuggler again. Like right. he, he kind of established himself as a real leader and a real hero at the end sure. of Return of the Jedi. Um, well, and they even like Finn brings that up. He's yeah, like yeah. Han Solo, the war hero, right? Yeah, um, and it's it's like yeah, the fu- the fucking war hero. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think that um, goes back to fan service. Like this is the yeah. Han Solo that people remember. Yeah, the smarmy, cocksure, uh, you know, roguish, you know, uh, good guy. Right, and and like the even like <laughs> the the one the one part of this movie that kind of like leads into like the ridiculousness factor with with that like elevated idea of who Han Solo is is when they're on Takodana and they're they're fighting in the rubble of Maz Kanata's castle, and yeah. um. He has that one shot with his blaster where he's not looking and he hits the stormtrooper anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that getting like a genuine laugh in the theater. But watching yeah. it now is just like that's not really Han Solo. Like he's yeah. like he's he's not. He was never like competent. No. Like he always kind of like he's a really he good lo- pilot, but like he kind of like accidentally succeeded in a lot of ways. Hard. He lucked his way through everything. Yeah, right, right. Wow. Which they kind of I, th- I do like how they kind of address that in the the showdown yeah. on his uh ship with those gangsters. It's like how he can't yeah. just keep lying his way out of things. And I yeah. think that's a good way of like addressing that, but later on when he's like effortlessly uh killing stormtroopers without a second thought. Sure. It's like, eh, okay, this it, it's it's fan service once again. Like they're doing it because that is the idea of Han Solo that people want. When I think about Han Solo, I I, I think about the, the you guy. You think about you know, Solo, a Star Wars story. The yeah, oh, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> I've still never watched that, so you know, uh, table that discussion yeah. for later. But when I when I think about Han Solo, I think about the guy in A New Hope running backwards from a platoon of stormtroopers oh going, my god ah, <laughs> I, that, I love that that's on solo that's on solo <laughs> I, yeah that's a really good point i think that perfectly encapsulate encapsulates who that character is yeah <laughs> just running backwards like blasting yeah like that's he's, he's overly confident like going in and then like he realizes he's way over his head <laughs> yeah he's not american sniper he's you know it's no, yeah. you know kind of lucking his way through everything um you know speaking of han solo here i i wanted to break down a little bit of our like our three main characters because i think they all fit uh into that niche speaking of hitting the same story beats yeah okay um i wrote uh pose our han solo in this oh for sure uh, yeah i don't think Finn they made our... any uh like <laughs> qualms yeah. about <laughs> assigning him no. to that role you know yeah yep just you know ace pilot kind of you know the cheeky you know quick-witted you know sort of ruggish you know and he's he's great like he is great really really good i think yeah he's awesome i i I remember saying this after i saw it originally like i think my only like real complaint about the movie after i saw it the first time was i think this movie needed more poe dameron because he's he's an awesome character and every time he's on the screen it it was fun yeah um, so by that vein, I think Finn is our Leia in this. Um, we start out seeing uh, 
Finn rescued. Um, okay. And he's kind of like the, you know, and he's cheeky too. He's got the same kind of like sass and cheek that Princess Leia had. Um, the only thing that differs uh, Finn from Leia is that uh, Finn is uh, running, you know what I mean? He's trying to escape at some yeah, point. Yeah, he's, but... he's, he's kind of a coward. <laughs> But yeah, but Finn is Finn is the guy who's getting rescued. He's yeah. he's he's the you know what I mean. He's still cheeky. He still got the sass, but he's the he's the rescuee, as it were. And then I wrote here that Ray is obviously our job of the hut. Of course, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, clearly no, Ray is, is Luke Skywalker. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I I think that's they maybe do that a little too on the nose. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like she's even think... dressed in it. Like she's kind of even dressed in a similar way as Luke was. Oh. She's living in the desert yeah, in the middle of nowhere. She's, right. you know, you know, you first time you see her, she's in this big empty ship looking thing. She's, you know what I mean? Kind of similar to the, uh, the workshop that Luke's in, you yeah, know, when he's cleaning. She doesn't the- know who her parents were. It's, like, it's, <laughs> right. It really hits those, those beats, like beat for yeah. beat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, 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 now we're talking about the, the, the main characters a little bit. I, I, I have a, a few things that I, I, um, wrote down about them as well um so finn at the beginning of the movie well not the very beginning of the movie but like you know a little bit into it he he says he's he wants uh poe to help him escape because it's the right thing to do yes Uh, so he has this like you know initially and you can kind of see this even from the first scene he's in where he refuses to shoot the helpless villagers yeah oh it's, it's not the right thing to do can I see? Can I say here? I, I made a note just really briefly on that. I, it's like the first time you see Poe, he gets uh, a handful of stormtrooper blood smeared across his face. Yeah. Um, I wrote. I like that. I like blood. More fucking <laughs> blood in Star Wars, please. Yeah, we haven't blood, seen it more for a blood, long time. please. Yeah. Yeah, just gore it up a little bit. It's you know, it's a movie for kids, <laughs> but you know, we like to see it too. So. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's such an affecting visual, and I think they. Yeah. They do it awesome. Like it, it's doesn't. It's not just for the the shock factor, because um, they they tie it into being able to identify who that stormtrooper was later. Because you have the shot of him refusing to shoot the the people, and it, because he does have the blood smear on his helmet, you know that that's him. That's him um, right. So it's it's not only an effective um, visual cues that really help ground the story more, but it's also you know it's a, an effective visual element as well. Um, yeah. But like going off of that, I, I was I was gonna get to this. I, I I'm gonna say more about that a little bit later. Um, uh, Ray is her her key motivation in this movie is at the, at least from the beginning is waiting for her her family. Um, yeah, she you know I think she wants to leave Jakku. Uh, you can kind of see that early on when she you know watches that one transport leave the atmosphere and she kind of looks at it longingly. Right. Um, the way she puts the, the, the rebel pilot helmet on, she has that kind of that dream still, but ultimately she still wants to be there for when her family eventually goes back. That's why right. she has those notches on the wall of the, um, ATAT that she's living inside of. And, you know, you, like one of the first things she tells, you know, Finn when they, when they escape is I got to get back to Jakku. Um, right. so her, her, her kind of key motivation is waiting for her family. Um, yeah. Which, you know, changes a little bit later on, but we'll get to that. Um, mm. Kylo Ren, his, his main motivation in this movie is just doing whatever his, 
his master wants him to do. Um, he's only looking for a power grab. He just wants to get stronger, more powerful. And and Ray calls him out on that uh, when he's trying to read your mind a little bit later, how he's scared about not being as powerful as Darth Vader. So everything he's doing is just to get more power, which is kind of like yeah. the classic, you know, if you know anything about the expanded universe of Star Wars, that's kind of what the Sith are always all about, uh, is just getting more power. And it's just a, a hunger for more power. So it's that classic dark side mentality. Um, and one, one really interesting thing that happens in this movie. And I don't like, I've seen this movie like probably half a dozen times at this point. Um, but it it actually like stood out to me this, this last time I watched it. So the scene where Kylo Ren is talking to Darth Vader's helmet, he's talking about how he's feeling the call to the light and he's, he needs, he needs Darth Vader to help him resist that. Um, yeah. That scene yeah. takes Help place here. <laughs> directly before Ray hears the lightsaber calling to her. Yeah. Which I never noticed that those scenes were like side by side. So yeah, I, the force is, is the light side of the force is calling to each of them at the same time. Yeah. Um, and one other interesting thing I, I noticed about that is in Ray's vision, when she touches the lightsaber, she sees the dark side, not the light. Yes. So, like, at the same time, the light side is calling to Kylo Ren, the dark side is calling to Rey. Yeah. Which, if if J.J. Abrams had uh, The Rise of Skywalker as an idea in the future, this is one of the few things in this movie that kind of plants that seed of who these characters are later on. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the Darth Vader helmet scene. Uh, so yeah. Um, I made a notation of it here, and this is always I've watched this movie about three times all the way through, mm-hmm. and then sparingly in between. Um, I wrote here why why is Kylo worshiping Darth Vader? Vader Vader very you know clearly turned back to the light, and I'm sure that uh, Luke and Leia had covered that extensively. Uh, with him, yeah. you know what I mean, while he was being Jedi trained. So, like, I don't understand the fixation with his grandfather here. Well, once again, uh, that is a, you know, we're setting the, the characters back to the status quo. Like, sure. Han's a, a smuggler, Leia's a resistance leader, Darth Vader's a bad guy. But you can't, you whether can't it's right or not. Whole... <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the redemption arc of Darth Vader is like, a key story element. In I think the... that is the the story element. I, I, going back to what I was saying earlier about Darth Vader being the main character of the original saga, mm. I think that is the. I think that's the story. It's like how he returned to the light side. Sure. Um, and and yeah, we can kind of talk about that a little bit more when we get to the rise of Skywalker. But yeah, yeah they kind of sure. they seem to ignore that in this. And and you would definitely think that uh, Luke would tell the story of how. Darth Vader came back to the light side before he died, uh, especially to his, his pupils. Um, but yeah, that, that's something that I don't think he really thought about too much before about why he's yeah doing that, especially if Luke did tell him about that. But yeah, I, I think it just goes back to what I was saying earlier about how in the effort for, for fan service, they wanted to you know return these characters to the status quo, the, the, the place that the, the average fan is familiar with and they know that Darth Vader's a bad guy and, and maybe they don't really think too hard about him 
uh, being redeemed at the end of Return of the Jedi, even though that's yeah. what the whole story's about. <laughs> so, and this is what I, okay. So this is this is what I'm saying here. There's, I don't have any notations for like this being a genuine story continuation here. If they were going to do that, I, I think you should set it with Luke rebuilding the Jedi and him training. Uh, if you want to keep Ben Solo in there, Kylo Ren, do that. But uh, one of the big things that we're taught, we've always talked about during the Star Wars movies, is bringing balance to the Force. Right. Balance doesn't mean good over evil. Balance means balance. So maybe have Ben Solo turn on Luke because there's too much light. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something that would be a genuine story continuation rather than just like, uh, oh, I'm gonna worship Darth Vader because he's space Jesus, and you know. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, like it, it goes back to them playing it safe with this movie. Like yeah. if, if they had, if they had made that movie, I think that the more diehard Star Wars fans would be into it. I think the general movie going public would be against it. <laughs> you know, see, I, I think if you do it correctly, you don't you don't have that that problem. But maybe that is maybe that's the key. Maybe they didn't know how to do that correctly. Yeah, um, and and. You know, we we were not involved in the <laughs> writing process of Obviously. this movie. Or, uh, it's, there's weirdly little behind the scenes uh, stuff available for this one. I, I own it on on Blu-ray, um, and I there's like maybe thirty minutes of behind the scenes stuff, and it's all very like sugar coated. Like everybody loves making this movie stuff. Um, there's right. not even a director's commentary, which I love that stuff, but it's not on this yeah. one. Disney whitewash, dude. And that's that's the big difference between, like, okay, we brought up the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. behind the scenes earlier. You could see the genuine tension uh, in the rooms when you watch when you watch that behind-the-scenes footage. Like, they're all... <laughs> yeah. They're making a movie. Like, making a movie is hard, right. and it's a lot of conflicting stuff. The, the big difference between, like, the Phantom Menace and other behind-the-scenes is that nobody's challenging the director. Right, um, that's that's one of the things that really stands out. If you watch those, it's it's yeah. a room of yes men with George Lucas in the middle. Right. <laughs> Which you know that's you know, and this has been said a thousand times before, but that's the reason that the original movies uh, were so good is because he had people who were like, no, that's not going to work. Yeah. You have you know, do do it like this. Um, you know, you you have a room full of brains. You know, uh, focusing on something to to make it work. You know, and then you have one guy who has the final say, but you need lots of voices in filmmaking. Um, and I think the thing with this this film is that they had a lot of voices who were all saying the same thing, and that is play it safe. Yeah, and again, like, it, I, I, I don't think it's a worse movie for it necessarily. I mean, I think it could have been better. I, I love this movie. It's I still have fun every time I watch it. Yeah. Um, and... I think this, going back to, uh, I think this would be a good time to maybe talk about um, maybe the questions this movie did answer. Um, yeah. I actually had a couple of things that like I thought of when I was watching it. Because uh, I think this, this this movie does a couple of good things when it comes to expanding on the Star Wars lore a little bit. Um, going back to Finn as a stormtrooper. Like, we never thought of stormtroopers as, as people. They were just you know, white suits, white helmets, like, and that was kind of the, the whole point. Like you weren't supposed to like actually uh, think about it too hard. Cause they were just the bad guys. Yeah. They're um, cannon fodder. Yeah. But this movie did a great job by, you know, humanizing the stormtroopers. Uh, yeah. 
by making one of them a main character and how he's affected. And, and, and I like, I remember like watching that in the theater and like, I thought that was a really awesome uh, idea and, and take on it um, because we just never had seen that in Star Wars before. Um, yeah. And also too, like, it also answers uh, one of the, the questions a lot of people had after Return of the Jedi. Um, I think a lot of people asked this question. And uh, the question was, did, did Han and Leia fuck? And the answer is <laughs> oh, yes. They, def- they totally fucked. Um, <laughs> so that's one of the things I wrote down here. It's like, so it's one of the few continui- continuing plot lines is uh, Han and Leia getting down and, and doing the thing. Um <laughs> Of course, they uh, yeah, do, they I, do I mention... know when I was six years old and I saw Star Wars for the first time, I remember thinking, like, man, are these two fucking? Yeah, I, I think it was on everyone's mind. Uh, yeah. So I'm really glad that they, they entered that in this movie. A um, little disappointed we didn't get to see more of that, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. Uh, there, there's, there's fan uh, fic out there. If you are interested in that, I'm sure that's out there. You can you can find it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, they do actually answer the question of whether Luke started a Jedi Order. Uh, yes. Obviously, it was not very successful as all all, all the students turn on him um, yes. and kill the ones that didn't. Um, but they do, you know, at least reference that. Um, I think uh, one of the other questions this movie answers is, does John Williams still have it? And the answer, and the answer is, is yes. absolutely yes. Of um, course. Of course he does. I don't think um, there was much doubt in people's mind, but... I think that this movie uh, has some really awesome music moments. Uh, I think that the theme that he came up for for Ray is mm. so perfect. It's like spot yeah. on. Yeah. It, it really nails her character and what she's going to bring to the movie. And the way they implement it later on in the movie and later on in the, the, the following movies is so well done. Um, the theme he came up for for the First Order you know, it, it's not like a direct ripoff of the Imperial March, but mm. it is just as imposing and threatening. I think he totally crushed it on this one. So, you know, I, I think shout out to John Williams. Yeah, right. Spoiler alert, that guy's really good at what he does. Yeah, yeah. So um. he's, uh, <laughs> but like, I think there was some question, like whether he was still going to be able to, you know, bring it for this, for this movie. Cause he's like, when they, when they made it, he was like, like in his mid eighties, um, so, but yeah, he he does a great job in this for this movie yeah. as as always, you know, always on top of his game, John Williams. Um, one question I think this movie answers is, do you need the force to wield a lightsaber? Yes. Um, and the answer, the answer is is, is yeah. Uh, you see Finn using the lightsaber to uh, <laughs> not great results uh, right. against stormtroopers, and then later on against Kylo Ren. Um, mm. he gets one good swipe on, on Kylo cause he has his guard down and then he gets, just gets his ass beat. Um, and also like later on, like even, even Ray is, is kind of struggling to keep up with, with Kylo for most of that fight yes. until she kind of thinks on the force and uses that. And all of a sudden she's a badass cause the force is flowing through her. So, right. um, I think a lot of people assume that a lightsaber is just a, a weapon that anyone can pick up and use. And, and that's, that's probably true to some extent, but to use it effectively, it seems like you have to use the force. You know what you're doing. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think you don't, you, you don't need to use the force to, to like wield it. 
Uh, just like you don't need to be skilled to like swing a sword at somebody, but it it fucking it helps. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, there's there's definitely something to to that for sure. And I think this that's one of the things I, I kind of I don't think I thought about before uh, before I watched it this time, and I, like it kind of stuck out to me. It's like, oh okay, I think you actually do need the force to use a lightsaber effectively. Um, and then the last the last thing I, I think this this movie answered was uh, can can J.J. Abrams make a good Star Wars movie? And yeah. I, I think the answer is yes. I, I think I that, think I, again, um, there's, we kind of talk, I, I feel like we, we may have uh, given people the impression that we didn't like this movie. Um, no, I, I like this. Like I said, all it had, our, our, our standards were set so low that all they needed <laughs> to do was, was meet the bar. Yeah. Um, and they did that. And I think, in, I, I think that I, I'll even be generous and say that I think he went over what we needed him to do. Um, not much, <laughs> uh, but he, you know, I, I think they did fine. I think it was uh, certainly, and I, I know you disagree on some things, but I, I think I think it is better than the prequels. Oh, 100%, um, yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, said, yeah, I, think it's, it's, I think it's better than Return of the Jedi as, as, a, as a film. Yeah. I think it's a, just a, I put it a little, just a spot above Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. Obviously, certainly... it'll never touch the, you know, A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back, but... No. It's it's up there with the some of the best Star Wars movies. It's um, certainly above competent. It's you know it's yeah. It's, and, and like I said, you know, every time I watch it, I have fun. Um, yeah, and I know and a few things and things like that. But uh, um, well, it's worth noting here. What what are some things like specifics that you liked in the movie? Because I I have a pretty decent list here. Okay, of stuff sure. I yeah, I mean, uh, I think we already talked a little bit about the cast. Um, I think yeah, that cast is great. Everyone was really well casted in this one. Um, except for Anthony Daniels, I think he he's a shitty C three PO, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's he's fine. He's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he. I don't like him much as a as a person. No, he's but, a bad person. C three PO is actually a bad person. Um, uh, but I I think uh like John Boyega, uh, I was really excited when he got cast. Um, yeah. I saw the movie Attack the Block. Uh, that he mm. was in. I think it was his first like big film role. And he's great in that movie. Um, and when they when they cast him in this, I was like really excited. Oscar Isaac, he's awesome in everything. Uh, so obviously, I was really excited about that. Uh, Daisy Ridley, fantastic as Ray. I think that I, think so yeah. I, I I don't I I think that the mark of like a, a good um, acting performance is is trying to think of someone who could have done it better. And you know, going down the cast list, it's it's hard for me to, to think of of someone who could have done what these actors did better. Um, yeah. Even down to like you know, just shout out to um, ah, now I'm like blanking on the name, Snoke. Uh, uh, I can't even think of Andy Circus. Andy Circus. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, Andy Caesar Circus. <laughs> he's he's awesome in this. Uh, yeah. I, he, he you don't really get to see the breadth of his motion capture because he's just a big hologram. But yeah. uh, the the menace in his voice, like you can feel it, even though oh, you don't yeah. really see it which is fantastic. And I think he, he's um, somehow underrated as an actor. Um, but yeah, I love the cast. Uh, we already talked about, you know, the, the use of practical effects and how well that was done. Um, I think that we get some really good Millennium Falcon action. Like that, that one shot that they do when they like come blasting out of that, that star destroyer and it like yeah. whips up and flies around. It's like, when like seeing it on, on the big screen, it like pushes oh, yeah. you back in your seat. Like it's it's so great. It's really um, good. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, well, go ahead. 
I, I think that I think the lightsaber fight at the end of the movie is fantastic. I think um, so too. I think it's, I think one, of it's one of the best lightsaber had. fights in all Star Wars. Um, Cause that's just, one of the things I wrote under mine is that the one thing that I, I really like in this movie is that people don't swing their lightsaber like they're Chinese acrobats. They actually swing it <laughs> yeah. like a normal person yeah. would swing a sword. Well, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's such an interesting um, fight to analyze because um, Kylo Ren does not want to kill Rey. You know, yes. his, his mission is to take her to Snoke. Um, I think, you know, the, the one, like the one big criticism a lot of people give this lightsaber fight is, wow, I can't believe Kylo Ren lost to uh, a stormtrooper and someone who's never held a lightsaber before. It's like, and he's not trying to kill her. Yeah. He's not <laughs> trying. He's not going for the kill. Like if he really he wanted wounded. to kill her, he absolutely would have done it. Um, right. And he's hurt through the whole thing. He's bleeding. Which yeah. Again, he got, like, uh, they, they do a good job setting that up with how powerful yeah. Chewie's bowcaster is earlier in the movie yeah. when it like knocks that stormtrooper back into episode six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, like, he got hit by that thing, and he's still standing somehow. So, like, obviously, he's using a lot of his strength to just keep himself upright. Right. And uh, let alone having to, to fight somebody who's, you know, really fighting for her, her survival. Um, right. But it's a, I think it's a great fight because not only is the setting cool, because, like, you get, like, the... Um, get the, like the glow of the lightsabers on their faces and, and like the snow and things like that. It's a really like well shot scene, but also the action is really good too. Um, yeah. One one thing I I remember thinking like when I left the theater the first time is, um, this is a really well shot movie. Um, I think up until this point, maybe the best shot star Wars film, because if you kind of, if you look at like the actual cinematography of the original, like the first six movies, they're all pretty flat, you know, like the, the the frame is pretty well just like laid out. Nothing really interesting happening in the cinematography. Um I think I think there's some interesting the most interesting is Empire. Yeah. Um and and that's not that's not through the whole movie. I think right. the, the the highlight of course is like the saber fight between uh Luke and Vayer. Oh yeah, the um, one the one shot where like they're just silhouetted and they're, they're both yes. drawing their lightsabers. Iconic. Uh, that is like it's uh, one of the uh, best shots of, of film history. Uh, yeah, uh, so good. But it, it doesn't like. I, I think the whole way through this movie, the shots are all really well done, and I think that yes. they they really nailed that in this as well. Um, and we already talked about the music as well. So, but yeah, what did, what did you uh, want to talk about? Like what you liked. So uh, I, I brought it up earlier. I like I like the blood uh, effect in Star Wars um, as an identifier and as a you know an aside. Um, I like I like Kylo like banging on his on his sternum to try and like yeah you know while he's while he's fighting Ray at the end like like gritting his teeth kind of thing oh yeah yeah that was I, I like the blood on the snow um more blood like I said I wrote here more blood please just, just more blood um, yeah just just blood everywhere pour it up <laughs> um I wrote here I like Kylo Ren's voice shoot me I know that was like a, a point of contention kind of like Bane's voice was in uh, Dark Knight Rises no I liked it too yeah um, once again really Adam Driver a- totally killed it in this and I do like that they like I love like the first time we get like hear Poe like talk to somebody who's not BB-8 uh, yeah. or uh, uh, Max von Sydow's character uh, yeah. he, he's like making fun of Kylo Ren's voice and it's it's great like it, it it plays both of their characters so well yes. uh but yeah for sure that's it's it's a really cool effect and they do it they use it really well 
it, it, it sinks. It's kind of like <laughs> when you heard it in the theater, it's so booming. It's like yeah. it was like Voldemort's voice was, you know, in the like the Harry Potter movies when he's speaking into people's brains. Well, to um, that point, the the whole sound design of this movie is excellent. Very good. Um, yeah. If you're watching this this Most movie on yeah. TV speakers, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yes. I don't have the best home theater setup, but I have a pretty decent sound bar. I know you got a, a really nice setup at your place. Yeah. And it, it sounds awesome. Like it's it's like the the impacts of the blaster shots. And yeah, it's it's Star Wars for sure. But um, just the way that they you know designed the the sound elements, it's it's really effective in this movie too. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, speaking of Kylo, I wrote here. I like I like Kylo Ren's temper tantrum. Yeah. I like the first one. I like the first one. The second one, the the first tantrum um, shows that he's like let himself go. To, anger is part of the dark side, like letting yourself go. So it shows that he's still young and he's still a little immature, but he's dangerous when he's angry. I think the second temper tantrum just kind of makes him seem like a petulant child a little bit. Which is um, but the not first time when he pulls that saber out and just you know goes to town on the, the that room that he's in, <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think that was really cool. Um, you know, it, it shows it shows you this young kid is just pissed, you know, pissed off, uh, but he's still dangerous. Um, I think there's really great pacing in this movie. Yeah. I think the scenes where this like right up until the end. Uh, the parts of this movie where it starts to get too fast, they they tend to bring it right back down to earth and slow it down. Um, and we'll get into this later when we talk about the other movies. But I think as far as nice, uh, like even pacing goes, this one does it better than the other two. I agree. Yeah, um, I definitely, I can definitely agree with that. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? Um, uh, uh, the, uh, the biggest thing is, is just the, we talked about it already, but the, the, the connection of the characters, I think they did a great job, uh, casting and playing off of each other. Um, uh, I like the use of color, uh, effects in the, you know, uh, the scene where, uh, you know, uh, and I think obviously spoiler alert <laughs> for this movie, <laughs> this I don't think we ever that, five years ago, but, um, but like the scene where where uh, where Han Solo dies, which I think was yeah. a really really good artistic decision. Um, I'm sure Harrison Ford had something to do with that because I know he was ready to you know for that character to go. He was um, ready for that character to go in Empire Strikes Back. I don't know if you I don't know yes. if you know this, but I did. Yeah, he was they, asking he George Lucas to, to kill him yeah. there. Um, yeah, I think it was a good artistic decision to kill him off there. I think it was really good for dramatic effect. Um, I like Chewie's anguished scream when yes. Han gets stabbed. The anguished scream um, and, and then like immediate um, killing spree. Yeah, which is um, it's, it, it's it's so heartbreak. Like, right. So like the thing about that that scene, which, which is so good, is like you're immediately gutted. I mean, yeah, just like Han Solo is. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you're like when you're watching that that scene for the first time, it's it's it hits you really hard because you know, yeah. this is a, it's the, the way it's shot and everything like that. And then um, it's like the way they, they use Chewie's reaction in this. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's this, it's the audience's reaction. It's yeah. like everybody wanted to do what Chewie just did. Like everyone yeah. wanted to scream at the top of their lungs and then immediately just kill a bunch of stormtroopers. Like that is exactly what everyone in the the theater was feeling. Yeah, and they, perfect. they did that so well. Um, and it's, anytime that, you get to see Chewie kick ass, I'm yeah. 100% on board with it. Yeah. I remember there was an audible gasp in the theater when, when that happened. Like, yeah. just, oh, 
like the whole the whole and the theater was full, but it was just this this soft restrained gasp that you could hear this 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 very pregnant you know like <laughs> throughout the entire theater yeah so and i i, I it, like when that when that scene was was going on i i really did like feel it coming um, yeah i did too yeah I, I i mean i don't think that i'm better than anybody else but i i feel like i do a pretty good job of uh reading the scene where it's going and and sniffing out uh <laughs> plot twists before they happen sure. just in general um that but comes I, with being a cinephile. Like, you yeah, know, watching you, you watch movies. enough movies, you're paying close enough attention. I think that you can figure it out for the most part. Yeah. Um, but like, I remember like watching him like walk out on that, that, um, that bridge. And I'm like, my fingers are just digging into the, the armrests of the seat in the yeah. theater. Um, and like, cause I, I knew what was happening. I'm like, this is it. They're, they're going to kill Han Solo. And, and sure enough, that's what happened. Um, yeah. But but even even though I saw it coming, the impact was still there. So oh, yeah. I think that speaks to how well they did with that scene overall. Um, and yeah, it was yeah. really good. One of the big things I like, I'm a cinematography nerd, I think more than anything. Oh, um, yeah, me too. Big time. Uh, so I, I like the use of color palette. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and actually, when we talk about Godfather Part 2. Uh, yeah, we'll which we'll able- definitely get to next week for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. Oh, definitely. Uh, we'll be able to talk a little bit, you know, how they use the yellow filter to to give you that old timey feeling. They're using like a 60 or 70 percent yellow light filter through most of those movies. Yeah. Um, and, and for here, like uh, you start to see it happen a little earlier. Red means danger typically in um, in in cinematic terms. So as they're making their way through uh, Starkiller base, um there's more and more red that progressively happens uh, culminating with, you know, Han Solo walking out onto that catwalk uh, towards, towards Kylo on the catwalk. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. He did his little strut on the catwalk. Um, (laughs) He's too um, sexy for this movie. And (laughs) that's why I had to kill him. He lost his little guts on the catwalk. (laughs) Um, No, but the like, you know, that that vivid use of that red, that red lighting, um, you know, and like if you're like I said, that goes along with part of you watch enough movies, you get to see where that stuff comes up. So, you know, I kind of saw it coming, too. um, But I I, I like that framing. I like the the use of red to to show that off. I, I think there's a couple of spots in this movie where they where they use that to really good effect. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, the cinematography in this movie is excellent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah really top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have some things I don't like. I don't like that. Uh, so they they hint that uh, there is a new republic, but there's uh, a new order that's trying to overthrow the new republic, and then there's a resistance fleet, but they're not the republic army. Yeah, Where's so the Army? they get into this more in the the novels and things like that. Yeah, um, I remember hearing that there was there was supposed to be in a scene in this movie that takes place on Hazian Prime, um, mm-hmm. which is the the capital of the New Republic um, at the beginning of this movie. Um, but they decided to cut it out. I really wish they would have left that in um, yeah. because I think one of the things that really doesn't land in this movie is the emotional impact for when Starkiller base fires its, its first blast. Right. Um, 
we don't know until after it happens, you know, who it was that they killed. Um, right. We don't know any of the people, like, on those planets. Um, I think a lot of people, until they, like, spell it out, may have assumed that that was Coruscant. Um, yeah, right. But, yeah, it, it's that that part of the movie. Because when, when you, again, going back to, you know, because it does mirror A New Hope really well. Um, going back to A New Hope, like, you have that emotional impact when Alderaan is destroyed for, for a number of reasons. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, our our heroes are on their way there to, you know, meet Princess Leia. Um, so, you know, our, like, Luke and Han and Obi-Wan are on their way there. And then, you know, we get that emotional impact because that's that's Leia's homeworld. Um, yeah. And so that, that emotional impact when Alderaan is destroyed um it resonates you know it's it absolutely in this movie you don't feel anything (laughs) like i mean other than the the regular feeling that you should have when you see things get blown up um but it's they show like these people on on a balcony watching the laser come down but you don't recognize any of those people you don't have you don't you don't feel it on an emotional level yeah and I really wish they would have left in the scene that that explained, you know, who these people are, why it's important, and and how it could, how it affects the resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, would have taken seven minutes. Yeah, and and, and this know? is not an overly long movie. Um, it's the shortest yeah. of the three sequel trilogy films. Yeah, it, 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 not including credits, it's about two hours on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Which again, I think they wanted to get it into that two hour range because that's where the original movies were at. But right. But if you if you need to take take a little bit of time to to you know establish a more emotional moment, um, just to even get an idea of how like what the Republic's right. about. Um, but yeah, to explain that again, they explain this in in the novels and and the comics and things like that. Uh, essentially, when the New Republic was formed, uh, <laughs> sorry, like if anyone who doesn't know me, I am a massive Star Wars nerd. <laughs> I don't just I get know, into movies; I, I get into the expanded stuff. So like. This is this is what I like to do. Um, anyway, uh, when the the New Republic was formed, um, they wanted to be a a like a pacifist society. Um, mm. So they did not have a standing military, um, and it wasn't like so. Basically, uh, Leia uh, was one of the initial leaders of the New Republic, and she disagreed with the uh, initial plan to be a pacifist society. So yes. she split off from the Republic and created a resistance army um, so that if any, you know, uh, pockets did rise up, they would be able to combat that. Um, so it's a, it's a small force. You know, it, it's much like how you would think the, the Rebel Alliance was in the original trilogy. And again, like, I'm not really a big fan of this decision either. Um, I think that, again, it was it was made in an effort to bring things back to the status quo, the things that people are, are familiar, familiar with. Sure. They want the, the small underdog force over, like trying to overcome the overwhelming bad guy, right. but it just doesn't make any sense after the empire is defeated in return of the Jedi, you know, no, like, it, it's, it makes it kind of feel a little bit hollow and like, he, why are we still fighting? You yeah. You I mean? think about it too much and it, it kind of ruins <laughs> a lot of the stuff, but sure. Um, yeah, I think that's it, where a lot of the magic is lost for me because, it, like I said, I, I liked the movie more the first time I see it. 
Which, you know what I mean? There's most movies I think you tend to like, okay, you know what I mean? After several subsequent watch throughs, either like it the same or you like it less. Uh, and then there's a handful of great gems, I think, that get better with every watch through, like a, like a bottle of fine wine. Yeah, like, um, I mean, we'll definitely talk about that when we talk about The Godfather Part 2. Oh, for sure. Because that's 100% sure. one of those movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of the, the, the... I wrote that down as like one of the parts I really didn't like, is like they blow up the Hosian system, and A, no one's ever heard of the Hosian system before. <laughs> um, sure. It's a it's a brand new system they invented for this movie with no emotional connection to it. Like right. blow up Tatooine. Like do something that like really right. get, would get people like like surprised. Because um, like outside of being where Luke grew up, Tatooine's a shithole. Like who cares? But right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 tough to get like emotional about these moments that are supposed to be emotional because you, they don't set it up well enough. Sure. Um, and again, and the thing is, one of one of the things Disney did when they took over the Star Wars universe is they they basically came out and said like ah oh, no all, all that extended universe bullshit we're gonna do away with um, well and again this is something we're gonna talk about more when we yeah. get further into this trilogy um, I just want to like touch on that real quick though um, there's a lot of of stupid stuff in the expanded universe and a lot of it oh, contradicts for itself sure. so for sure. just in the like I understand why they did that and. And since then, they like a lot of the the, the movies and, and TV shows and other content that they've released since then. Um, it's gone back and it's it's using that that as like a as a reference point, and, yeah. br- and like even bringing established characters from those those books and things like that into the the main canon. Um, mm. So again, I understand why they did that. I think they're slowly correcting that, uh, but it definitely ruffled a lot of people's feathers when that happened. But at sure. the same time, uh, if if they hadn't done that, then uh, episode seven would have looked a lot different because yeah. uh, Chewie would have been crushed by a planet already, and uh, like <laughs> Luke would have been married, divorced, and one of his kids is already dead. Like it would have been a totally different movie. Sure. And I don't. I, I mean, I'm not saying like keep <laughs> everything, but I, like th- things like and again, we're gonna fucking talk about it at some point. Things like keeping certain planets uh, and uh, keeping certain systems and I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, <laughs> just, we'll definitely you know. get to that at some point. But yeah. Uh, yeah, like the 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 destruction of the Hosian system is like one of the big. Like, okay, I mean, this is supposed to be impactful, but it's really not things for me. Right. Um, one of the things I really didn't like, uh, why didn't they just kill Captain Phasma? Good question. Like, <laughs> I, I, the only thing I can think of, and I made this note when I watched, watched it again, was, uh, okay, well, the logic would state that we should kill Captain Phasma after she did what we wanted her to do. But we haven't referenced the original Star Wars in five minutes, so let's throw her the garbage disposal. <laughs> right, exactly. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it is a callback for callback's sake, and it makes no sense in the plot of the movie. Nope. And realistically, they should have just shot her. Like they, why, why didn't they? Like, are they supposed to like establish themselves as being better than everyone else? Well, why did they kill all those it, other stormtroopers on their way there? Like, it's it, it makes no sense at all to keep her. Uh, alive in any respect um, Gwendolyn Christie needs a paycheck Dan we gotta and get her into the I am all about getting Gwendolyn movie. Christie a paycheck but uh, <laughs> for the for the plot of the movie and the, the sake of, of telling a, a compelling story um, or like for, for 
not uh, shoehorning in callbacks for the sake of callbacks. Uh, it's it's not a very it's a very clumsily uh, executed no. uh, thing. Star yeah. Wars being clumsy, no. Oh, clumsy and random. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. That didn't make a whole lot, but you know, again, safety. Yeah, going, going yeah, safe. you gotta you gotta Wait. go for the you gotta get people who are like starting to fall asleep. It's like, oh, there's a thing I recognize. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, do you have anything else to, to say about this 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 movie? No, I, I mean the the question here is, um, is this movie uh, between uh, between the three? Is it fan service? Is it cash grabby? Or is it a genuine? Um, story continuation and I think the answer is uh, at least based on my list here uh, somewhere between uh, the answer is yes <laughs> I think. <laughs> well I, I think uh, it's I think it may in my opinion lean a little bit more towards fan service than an uh, overall cash grab because um, it does change up the formula in in pretty big ways uh, like I said earlier you don't see any characters that you're familiar with until the second act of the act of the film mm-hmm. So that's a really if you're if you're just making a cash grab, um, you start with Han Solo. You know, you start sure. with Chewbacca. Like you do something that um, people immediately recognize. Um, replace BB-8 with R2D2. Like that's that's a thing that you make as a cash grab. Um, so I, I think I think this is definitely more in the line of fan service than an overall cash grab. See, um, I disagree. I, I think it. I, I think based on my list, it's dead even. Yeah. I think the fan service aspect is there to give you the cash grabbiness. Well, I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive um, either. Maybe I'm just giving this movie a little more credit than it, <laughs> than yeah, it deserves. Right. No, uh, um, I, I think I think it's a very very good cash grab, and I think the fan service is there to facilitate that. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job. If I was going to score this movie on the Chris Brady Cine scale, um, I would put it somewhere around like a six out of 10, which is, uh, you know, above the bar that we needed it to be. I thought it was pretty good. Um, But yeah, I think it was definite. I I think the farther you get into the movie, it becomes pretty glaringly apparent that, you know, Disney spent all this fucking money on star Wars and they want to make it back. Oh Uh, yeah. That's, that's for sure. And, And like, you saw that immediately with the surge of, uh, toys and oh, yeah. like product tie-ins and things like that that came after it. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember seeing like Star Wars branded oranges. <laughs> like I remember, yeah, it's just like so bizarre. Um, but yeah, again, nobody knows how to market more than than Disney does. Um, I think the the last question we have to ask: Do you would this? Do you think this movie stands alone? Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it stands alone uh, at all. Um, I think. I think if you wanted to make it stand alone, you have to take the. Uh, I think you have to take a lot of that fan service out. I think you have to take uh, Luke uh, out of the end. I think you have to take Princess Leia out. I think you have to take the Resistance out. I think you got to take Han and Chewie out. And I think if you want it to stand alone, um, you need to go the the Rogue One route where you don't get any of that fan service until right at the end of the movie. Um, and I think that that movie is all the better for that uh, personal opinion. I think Rogue One, Rogue One did a very good job of that because it's all these characters who are like, in my opinion, nameless, faceless characters. Uh, and it doesn't matter what happens, you know, who they who they are necessarily, because at the end of it, what matters is what they did. 
Um, so I don't think this movie, I think if you wanted to make this movie stand on its own, you don't throw as much of that fan service in there. I think you, you do the complete different story or you go the complete flip side and you, you still make, if you want to continue with the quote unquote Skywalker saga, you do what I said before and you, you make it a continuation. You, you start with Luke rebuilding the Jedi order. Um, and then you tell your story from there. And, and you advance. And you can keep a lot of the same story beats. You can keep Kylo Ren. You can keep uh, Han Solo getting fucking murdered on a catwalk somewhere. Um, but you, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fr- phrase it a little differently. Um, I think this movie comes off as a spinoff, but I, I don't think, I don't think it would hold up. Uh, the story itself would hold up on its own without all that fan service stuff thrown in there. See, I actually disagree with you. Okay. I, I think that this movie, while it does have a lot of fan service, I think you can go into this movie with a um, the smallest amount of Star Wars knowledge and be mm-hmm. able to appreciate it on its own. Um, I, I think I think it's watchable on its own. And I, I think, and again, like I, it's not perfectly standalone because I don't think any sequel is going to be perfectly standalone. That's the point oh, of the no. sequel; it's supposed to follow up. But sure. I, I think that if you were un, if you were just passingly familiar with Star Wars, like you know Luke Skywalker is the good guy, uh, Darth Vader's his father, you know the the smallest amount of information about Star Wars. I think that this would be a movie you could watch as an entry point into star Wars. And I think it would do it successfully. That's kind of hard to say. Cause like both of us are like, we're so familiar with the, the story and everything like that already. So I'll give you that because, okay. My wife is that person. She's not, she's not a big star Wars fan. Um, she, she went to the theater with me to watch it. She liked the movies. Okay. She likes the Mandalorian. Um, everybody likes the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. I think she likes uh, baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, yeah, obviously who would. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think you're right. I think I think it I think it works. I think it works. It's like I said, it's watchable. I, I don't I don't think it holds up as a I don't think it holds up as a good as a as a piece of art. Does that make sense? Well, it's um, it's too commercialized for that. You know, it's it's not sure. it's not trying to be art. You know, um, no, not, not that to be, movies can't be or even even sequels of movies can't be artwork. But I think that um, my my kind of standard for, for this this question is like, can you know nothing to almost nothing about this franchise, go and, into yeah. it and have an enjoyable experience? And I, again, I, I I stand by my opinion that you could with this movie. And I, I think I think I a think lot of that right. has to if do with the fact that uh, you know the the main characters of this film are new to this film, and you don't see familiar characters until the second act. So by the time you have already like gotten to know these characters some, then they're throwing in the, the, the stuff that you're not familiar with. And at that point, you're already invested. Um, if we're holding it to that, if that's the specific criteria, then yeah, I agree. Um, but if we're holding it as a Sky, like a Skywalker saga sequel, which is what they're saying it is, I think I think it doesn't hold up that way. But I think as an as an entry point to Star Wars, yeah, I think it absolutely does. They had to because. Right whole new generation there so yeah i, I agree with that yeah and, and, um, and i think those are two different questions i think, I think yeah. being able to stand on its own is one question and and you're right i don't i agree that i don't think this does a good job of following up return of the jedi because it yeah. sets a lot of the stuff that was like a lot of the stuff that like happened in return of the jedi kind of gets set back to neutral 
uh, mm-hmm. which we already talked about. But and obviously the story does not continue on, and the main character isn't in it. Um, <laughs> so that's why I think it's more of a spinoff than a true sequel. But that being said, I think it's a successful spinoff, and it's a good standalone movie. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, as a Star Wars film, I, I you know I don't think it holds up in, in the Skywalker saga, um, which makes me fucking cringe whenever I say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. Um, I should find yeah. out when they started like marketing it as such because I feel like Skywalker. that may have been something they they started to use as a lead up to the rise of Skywalker. I um, agree. I, I think you're right. I think it's, <laughs> I think it, I think that was somewhere between uh, episode eight and nine, yeah. probably immediately after episode eight, and the disaster that they were going through uh, <laughs> through that. Um, which I, at some point, you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about episode eight for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's it's a whole a whole other ball game there altogether. Yeah. Um, and I know you and I both have pretty strong opinions about that movie, and I know people are going to fucking disagree with both of us. For our, <laughs> I think uh, more so opinion. me than you. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, uh, I guess we'll get to that when we get to it. Do we? Do we have anything else here though? Have um, we... Yeah. Did you? Did you come up with any taglines for this? Oh, uh, let me see if I can find what I wrote here. Um, uh, oh yeah, it was. Uh, we're here again to blow up the thing again. Star yeah. Wars Episode Seven. Oh, the other thing I wrote down was um, <laughs> the scene where where Maz Kanata is is handing Finn Luke's or Anakin's lightsaber, uh, and Han asks where she gets where she got that from. Oh um, yeah, I wrote that too. Yeah, yeah. It's so a she, story for another time. Yeah, the right? answer is a good a, a good question for another time. And yeah. I was like, that could be J.J. Abrams' motto. He's, yeah, he's right. really good at setting questions up, not so good at answering them. <laughs> right. Uh, which is, is basically, I wrote that, I'm, I'm so glad you caught that too, because I wrote that here too. I'm like, nah, I can't, JJ, I kind of want to fucking know now. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but whatever, uh, you know, whatever, movie, movie. Movie. Gotta well, you got to open the door so you can make more money later. That's all it is. Right. Um, I, so, yeah, I guess, I guess, um, this could be called Star Wars Episode Seven: The Quest for More Money. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or whatever the uh, uh, what was this? Is that the, the direct Spaceballs quote? <laughs> right. Uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. The, are we sure that horse is dead? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Let's, let's keep looking. Um, you know. So yeah. Uh, oh man, we got a lot to talk about the next time we do this. Yeah, but first, you know, next week we're gonna get into the Godfather Part Two. Yeah, I ordered my VHS player, so we'll see if uh, I can get. I'm really surprised you can still find one of those. I, I didn't think they were still making those, but. Uh, oh yeah, I definitely found one. I definitely cool, awesome. already yeah. ordered. So. And uh, I, I uh, again, I'm not going to go through Amazon again because I don't want to go through the same headaches I had last time. So. Um, but it should be here before we we record the next episode. So. Good. Uh, yeah, we'll get yeah to I'm it. excited. I love I love that movie. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, but yeah, this was fun. Um, hopefully, if if you uh, enjoyed this. Uh, you know, subscribe to us um, wherever it's going to be out at. I'm still not sure how that's going to work yet. Um, <laughs> we'll figure that out. Yeah, figure it figure out. It out. Um, but yeah, uh, if you have any suggestions, you can tweet us at sequelize this at uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at sequelize this at gmail.com. Um, if you want to check out more of Chris, you can check out the three dude cast 
yes. but until next time, uh, we don't have a catchphrase. No, <laughs> so... yeah. Uh, well, next time, you, you know, send us money or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, stay sequelized. <laughs> yeah, I got to work on that. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. See you, nerd. Thank you for listening. <laughs>